This is a show about getting spooked for fun, and neither one of the hosts are associated with the attractions discussed in any way. Except for those skeletons in Devin's closet. Some topics may go from ghoulish to ghastly, so viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to The Great American Scream. Adam, so uh, happy Halloween, first of all. Uh, uh, it's now over. Everybody's sad about it. But more importantly, I got a text from my mother the other day. Do you want to hear about it? I, I do. Uh, and for, for full disclosure, we're recording this the day before Halloween. So I hope everybody yes. has fun tomorrow and also in the past. But yeah, I do want to hear about the text you got from your mom. Yeah, first, I'm also going to do a little sidebar before we get into the intro bit, before we get into the intro, before we get into the podcast. So, uh, first of all, I hope you had a fun Halloween, everyone. I hope you are having an okay day today. It's a very hard day. We're going to try to be light, but, you know, keep your head down. Uh, hopefully our work turns out to have been worth it. Uh, things constantly threaten to get much better for a lot of people, and hopefully this time they do. Anyway, I got a text from my mother, and she said that she had listened to the podcast, which she doesn't do often, but she texted me and said, have you heard of Hooker Man? <laughs> Which is a, a crazy sentence to ask just anybody. A very crazy sentence to ask, especially to your your young bisexual son who, you know, ran in some circles in college. Okay. A very weird question. But what she was talking about was a cryptid that I had never heard of before. Have you heard of Hooker Man? No, no. When you described him to me, I didn't think he was going to be a cryptid, but... Well, he's like, he's like, I guess he's like man hand hook car door. Okay. But his story is that he got hit by a train and then <laughs> his hand is a hook now. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> they don't explain how kind of A led to B. It's just that one day. Yeah. <laughs> like the presumption is that he's in New Jersey. Like that's the only explanation, three, which we know for a lot three of things, people, three things about this man hit by a train, hook for a hand, lives in New Jersey. New Jersey. Which I guess for a lot of us, I guess myself included, is enough. Like, I do kind of get it. Yeah, those are three, I think, very identifying facts. Like, if you told me to, like, find this person, you're like, hey, I need you to pick up something for my friend in the Target parking lot. <laughs> he was hit by a train, has a hook for a hand, and is from New Jersey. I'd probably be able to find him. Yeah, I feel like if I said to you, I'm going to tell you three things and tell me if you're confused or not, I yeah. would say... A man got hit by a train. You're confused. He has a hook for a hand. I'm even more confused. He lives in New Jersey. I am no longer confused. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 The yeah. only other anyway. like signifying ending for that was would be him living in Florida. Both could happen. Mm. Yes. Yes. Except yes, yes. that trains in Florida are not as good unless it's the Amtrak. Right. Yeah. No trains in Florida. No trains in Florida. Except, Hopefully or trains a mono, in, or a monorail. Hopefully trains in Florida soon. I think they're soon. anyway, this is not about trains in Florida, but this is about cryptids. Um, <laughs> the nationwide high speed rail network is uh, an ally of the great American scream. Yeah. And also a cryptid. <laughs> also a cryptid. Um, I've always wanted to cover cryptids and cryptozoology on this show. Uh, the study of animals, of myth and legend and folklore. And I think there's a difference between like what we think of as a cryptid versus like a mythical creature. Cause we think of mythical creatures as like unicorns, griffins, dragons, and then a cryptid oh, okay. like, yeah, I thought so you were going to draw a line between like urban legends and cryptids. Cause there is a difference well, like, like we alluded well. to 
man hand hook car door and probably hooker man are not really cryptids but like mothman sasquatch yeah those are cryptids i think we're really you're now adding so. a third circle of mythical creatures so we say you know jersey devil chupacabra griffin uh <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. I mean, I think I feel like I said because cryptozoology and the science and the study of cryptozoology is specifically referring to animals and creatures um, and mm. not only its presence in fiction, but it as a field of study and a community and a movement because people, especially scientists, are very quick to call cryptozo cryptozoology pseudoscience to which it is. It's OK. It's, it's OK. Right. But it's also it's not as it's not meant to be science. It's no. a, it's it's sociology. And yeah, it's an a fat, like, yeah, I think it's very just because the creatures aren't real or are not yet proven to be real doesn't mean they're not important to study from an anthropological standpoint, and exactly, a sociological yeah. standpoint. Um, and I think it's really fascinating. Um, so I'd like to dive a little bit into the history of cryptozoology and maybe talk about a few of uh, the most uh, famous members of the Cryptid Hall of Fame. Yeah. So first, before that, hi, welcome to the Great American Stream. My name is Devin Wright. <laughs> My name is Adam O'Connell. <laughs> and uh, right before we get into the meat of the episode we're gonna take a quick break hey guys devin from the future here checking in before the meat of the episode to let you know that we have launched our patreon you can check us out at patreon.com slash great screen pod that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash great screen pod we have great perks there including early access to episodes voting on episode topics exclusive live streams with adam and i and it's a fun time so if you have some spare resources we know it's a it's a tough time for a lot of people but anybody who does have the means to support us and is willing to do so please check it out once again that is patreon.com slash great scream pod adam please tell us about some cryptids Alrighty, so we got to go back first and uh kind of figure out where this field of study came from and while cryptids have their origins dating back centuries in folklore and storytelling the field and the study of cryptozoology really rose to prominence in the 1950s it's a pretty recent uh, okay so we're not talking about like who was the first cryptid we're jumping right to cryptozoology as a as a field of study yeah because tell me about it it's way more interesting than you think so Bernard Hoevelmans was a Bardian. <laughs> he was a Belgian French scientist, explorer, researcher, and considered one of the fathers of modern cryptozoology. Uh, he earned a doctorate in zoology from the Free University of Brussels in 1939. A doctorate in cryptocurrency. And yeah. then he became a cryptozoologist. Um, during World War II, he escaped from a Nazi prison camp and then went on to be a jazz singer in Paris while he was working on his studies and writing his articles yes. and books. Hell yeah, yeah Bernard. This, this guy is really cool. <laughs> but so he was really heavily inspired by the works of like Jules Verne and specifically the Arthur Conan Doyle book, The Lost World. Um, and he began the study of what he called hidden animals. Uh, he specifically cited a 1948 Saturday Evening Post article titled There Could Be Dinosaurs, written by British biologist Ivan T. Sanderson, who argued that there, there could, could be dinosaurs <laughs> if we believe. I mean, yeah, basically the idea that... Um, if uh, that in the remote parts of the world that there could still be dinosaurs because we just haven't been there. So what do we know? Adam, I'm so proud of that. Yeah, that was good. I got transported back to seventh grade Allstate Choir. Yeah, that was pretty good. Thank you. So Sanderson is considered the other father of cryptozoology for these reasons. He became um, 
famous after claiming to see, and I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this, um, an Olitao, an Olitu. Uh, yeah, it is yeah. a cryptid. Yeah, it is a cryptid from Central Africa that has been he described as the quote granddaddy of all bats. Oof, I'm, I'm really liking these two people. Yeah, the two it's basically a really big bat. <laughs> um, it's just a big bat. Yeah, so Sanderson is actually believed to have originally coined the term cryptozoology. Um, Huvelman's credits him with that. Uh, he wrote a book called Abominable Snowmen, which argued that there are four types of abominable snowmen scattered across five continents. Uh, abominable to the Himalayas. Yeah, <laughs> abominable snowmen basically referring to like the Sasquatch, Bigfoot, that kind of genre of cryptid, which we'll talk right. about in a little bit. Um, abominable snowmen specifically, I think because of like the genre. The, the old timey weird like mysticism of like oh the the, the Himalayas and the East that like there was right. like yeah, yeah. Um, that there was creatures living in the mountains but uh, that dates back way further than he does and we'll talk about that later but um, so this book was criticized by the scientific community for having uh, evidence of low standards as most of it was just um, descriptions of footprints that he saw and anecdotes from people who claim to have seen some of these abominable ah, snowmen footprints now, and anecdotes yeah. is a good band name his credibility was uh, pretty severely damaged due to the great penguin hoax of, uh, oh, the giant penguin hoax, rather, of 1948. Um, Tell me more. Yeah. So uh, when giant three-toed footprints were found on the beach in Clearwater, Florida, and Sanderson claimed that these footprints prints were impossible to fake <laughs> and definitive evidence of 15-foot tall penguins. Yes. I'm in. Yes. Give me the penguins. They are so tall and I love them so much. <laughs> However, in uh, 1988, 40 years later, uh, prankster Tony Signorini admitted that he'd made the prints with a pair of cast iron feet attached to high top sneakers. But oh, Tony. By, this, by this point, Sanderson had passed away, so he never knew that. So oh, he thank God. When his he whole died, life thinking he, went to he his was grave. right. He went to his grave knowing that he was right in yeah. his own heart, which is all that matters. And uh, 1948 was also the year that he published this. Uh, there could be dinosaurs article. And that inspired Hubelmans to go uh, on his own writing. Uh, so Hubelmans went on to write many books and articles about the uh, science and the study of hidden animals. And although only a few of these works were translated into English, most were written in French, uh, his most important work was... On the Track of Unknown Animals, uh, published, I think, originally in French in 1955 and then in English in 1958, um, and is credited with introducing the term cryptozoology to the scientific world at large. And uh, mm. Hubelman cites animals that have only been discovered recently, such as the pygmy chimpanzee, the Komodo dragon, and the giant panda, as evidence that any folkloric animal could be real. His I thought mean, that's, that's fair. You live exactly. in a world where like you don't talk to people further than like maybe 50 to 100 miles away. And then all of a sudden you hear about a literal dragon who just happens to not have wings, a little person, like a very small and slightly hairy person who doesn't speak and a big bear. That's a panda like you would be like, oh, so dragons real, right? Yeah. So Sasquatch real, right? His whole That's idea so was that these creatures were known to the local peoples of the area they're indigenous to, um, but they were dismissed by visiting zoologists because they'd never seen them, which again, like... That's a completely fair assumption to make. Um, and particularly, right. he cites the Okapi 
as uh, evidence of this. So Kapi, who are indigenous to Africa, um, they're like a little antelope-like creature, closely related to the okay. giraffe, with uh, hind legs that have the same markings as zebras. They're known as being insanely elusive. And when some researcher says like, oh, there's these little tiny things that have butts that look like zebras, but they're actually related to the giraffe. Everyone was like, you're crazy because they yeah. are um, very shy. Was, but that was and unrelated. <laughs> and they're also known as the ghosts of the forest. And I know that because of Kilimanjaro safaris in Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Thank you, Kilimanjaro <laughs> safari. Um, uh, he d- discusses evidence of creatures like the Yeti, the Makole Membe, and the Loch Ness Monster with an extensive bibliography of anecdotes and sightings. Um, what and is the Makole Membe? Uh, it is a s- South American, I believe. I didn't choose to cover uh, him in this episode. Well, well, great. You can't just say a cool name like Makole Membe. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, he can make an appearance. Uh, the, he's, Pardon me. He uh, is in Congo River Basin mythology. It's a water dwelling entity, kind of like a smaller uh, Loch Ness monster in appearance. It is kind of the mm. water serpent uh, reptilian genre of cryptid. And Good for uh, him. he is very cool. But uh, so he cited uh, evidence of all these creatures existing from his own research. Um, and uh, this book was, I think, dismissed by scientists but in a at the end had a a message that um or expressed the wish that any newly discovered species are not merely slaughtered for trophies and ending with the quote have pity on them all for it is we who are the real monsters i mean yeah again like everything he's saying is insanely fair right he he would have been lauded as like just a really good dude who knew a lot if he didn't think that Sasquatch was real, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the term uh, cryptid went on to be coined by cryptozoologist J.E. Wall in 1983 uh, in the summer issue of the International Society of Cryptozoology newsletter. Uh, he really stated, did anything in the 80s. Yeah, he stated that he found the term monster uh, misleading and we should opt for cryptid instead. Because many That's of these fair. cryptids are not monsters. They just want to yeah. hang out. And especially for uh, when so many cryptids are genuine, uh, like uh, cultural, uh, like and historical objects of very often formerly colonized cultures, the word monster is really exactly really bad yeah. to use. Um, so modern cryptozoology is focused on discovering evidence of the existence of species that may be centuries old, rather than typical biologists who are constantly discovering new species. So there's like nobody's discovering new cryptids. We're still working on finding the old Yeah, but ones. that's because culture is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, uh, and earnestly, most uh, prominent cryptozoologists don't have scientific or academic background. And it, it continues to be criticized by the greater scientific community as being pseudoscience or pseudoarchaeology, which I never considered to that would be a thing. But that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does make sense. It it kind of feels like, uh, again, it feels like it could be, and it is, I mean, a lot of like intense cultural studies will talk about what we would consider cryptids, but it's not considered in any way associated with cryptozoology, even though it probably could be. But it's just when you say cryptozoology, you think of uh, uh, Grunkle Stan. Yeah, it gets grouped in with like, 
phrenology or like yeah. crystal healing. Which probably, yeah, which also probably links to the American tradition of oh. cryptozoology, which is very specific. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cryptozoology is often viewed as the kind of rechanneling of the mysteriousness and sense of like adventure in a world that is now fully charted and overexplored. Like we know what's out there, at least on the earth, except in the ocean, except in some parts <laughs> of the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for the most part, we know what's out there. And cryptozoology is chasing that excitement that that like Victorian era excitement of a time when we didn't know. Right. And 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 I would say like a good form of cryptozoology is understanding, even if it is a pseudoscience, that it is a narrative and cultural like fun thing to do, like hearkening back to an age of of new uh, interactions between cultures and new interactions between histories is like really fascinating and kind of cool. So like when you're scamming people for two bucks on the side of the road, not so good when you're peddling another culture's mystical creatures as like weird and wacky not so good but when you're talking about it in like an interesting narrative way yeah. of saying we're hearkening back to a time that's cool yeah and the idea like there is something very like inherently exciting about wondering could there be creatures or animals or anything that we don't know about wandering the forest or in the ocean right which there are yes, there are thousands there are. and thousands and thousands of species we do not know about they just might so not be, be bigfoot like, Right. What if it was a cool lizard? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are several organizations dedicated to the study of cryptozoology. Um, the Center for Fortean Zoology and Fortean refers to the study of the works of Charles Fort, whose whole thing was chronicling uh, unexplained phenomena of any kind, um, which a lot of times then went on to be explained phenomena. But so the Center for Fortean Zoology is a UK nonprofit that uh, along with studying cryptozoology, also studies other animal abnormalities like color variations, mutations, tetralogy, and uh, folklore, as well as vampire and werewolf sightings. That's neat. Yeah, there's also the International Fortean Organization, a network of professional Fortean researchers and writers, uh, the International Society for Cryptozoology, which I mentioned before, an American organization that existed from 1982 to 1998, rather, so it's not around anymore. What? What was it about the year of both of our births that they were like, I'm out? I was born in 97. So oh, gross. You're so I old. was like the, I, maybe I was like the omen for ending the, the Yeah, the and then they heard that I was coming and they were like, no, we gotta end it. <laughs> um, and then um, Cosmopoisk, which is a Russian organization that studies ufology and cryptozoology. Very good. Um, I don't like the term ufology. I, I was going you back and forth on how put, to say that. Is it UFOlogy or is it? It's unidentified flying objectology. Yeah. Like, you can't. We got to really, if you look at it, it UFO. should be pronounced ufology, which is worse. Right. UFOlogy. You, it's bad. That's how Let's I want to say it. Name. Yeah. Let's come up with a new name like alien, but for unidentified flying objects. Because we can't just call them, we can't call it like saucerology. That would be funny, though. It would be funny. <laughs> but that's already the, the study of ketchup. So, <laughs> oh, I was thinking like specifically like tea saucers. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about some notable and most uh, famous cryptids uh, that probably, you know, about or maybe have heard of, but would like to know a little more information on the history and discovery of um, there's three like 
flavors of cryptid. I would like Vanilla, to go over Vanilla, chocolate, today. strawberry. You put them together. Neapolitan cryptids. Yeah, Neapolitan cryptids. Um, and although this is barely kind of scratching the surface of the literal thousands of cryptids that exist around the world. But I think these are kind of the, the I don't like the species, the subgenre of the most well-known. Um, the first of them being like the Sasquatch. So this refers to Bigfoot, the Yeti, the Skunk Ape, the Sasquatch. The there's a there's a lot. I love whoever came up with the name Skunk Ape. We're gonna ta- <laughs> we're gonna talk about the Skunk Ape, but first I want to talk about. Uh, so in general, the Sasquatch, the idea of a Sasquatch, they're like ape or gorilla like creatures, often based in the old school kind of European like wild man folklore meant to represent wildness and a uh, connection to the very foundations of nature and like the animalistic nature of man. Um, right, and, probably relates to like, uh, what is it? The man of the green and yeah. like pan and satyrs and exactly. all that. Um, and this category is made perhaps the most famous by Bigfoot um, and Bigfoot and Sasquatch are often used interchangeably to refer to the same creature or interchangeably to be into two entirely different creatures in my brain sasquatch refers to like the species of these ape humanoids and then bigfoot refers to this particular one or this particular species because there's also a discrepancy as to whether bigfoot is one or if bigfoot is a species right in my head sasquatch is a species and bigfoot is the one dude is this the one (laughs) you see bigfoot Bigfoot. you saw bigfoot if you saw sasquatch you saw a Sasquatch. Okay. Or the Sasquatch. But then that seems like a, if you say the Sasquatch, you're talking about the Sasquatch that happens to live in your neck of the woods. Yeah. You know? So Bigfoot specifically is native to the forests of North America with sightings uh, noted all around the continent and especially the northern United States and uh, southern Canada, but uh, is most spotted in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, where one third of all Bigfoot sightings have occurred. Um, Hey, Adam, why isn't he called Big Feet? I'm actually going to talk about why he's called Bigfoot. It's okay. in here. Yeah, no. We'll I'm, we'll loop, we'll, we'll we'll loop back around. Um, so, uh, he is described as hairy, uh, muscular, bipedal creature, about six to nine feet tall, with enormous footprints as large as 24 inches long and eight inches wide. That's actually exactly, that's what I look like. Oh, yeah. Anybody who hasn't seen a picture of me, picture six to nine feet tall, somewhere in there. Just like... Who knows? I feel like Roll that a die. How hairy Bigfoot is is something that neither of us could personally achieve. Wow. Okay. <laughs> You're right, but it still stings. Um. So there, uh, the name Bigfoot, which you brought up, uh, comes from the Wyandot people of the land around present day Lake Ontario, now located in Oklahoma. Um, a chief in the 1830s was given the name Bigfoot due to the enormous size of his feet, great height of over six feet and Herculean strength. And a couple of other tribes were also uh, noted to have chiefs or leaders that were named Bigfoot. And it's thought that um, because a lot of the Bigfoot mythology uh, originates from uh, indigenous people in the United States, that the name kind of translated over. OK, so two things, yeah. both about how everybody's surprised liberal pinko commie Devin is going to talk about how the West is bad. But yeah, <laughs> two points. One, no, no more talk saying Herculean strength. We only say Bigfoot strength now. Yeah. 
and two the fact that we call this hairy scary uh creature a name that was given to like actual human beings who use that name as a as a name kind of stinks and when i say kind of stinks it really stinks (laughs) we should probably talk about that sometime but yeah Um, but so the most notable Bigfoot sighting is the uh, 1967 Patterson Jimlin film filmed alongside the at the Klamath River, I believe, uh, in yeah. Northern California by uh, Roger Patterson and Bob Jimlin. If you are picturing like a Bigfoot film in your head, this is probably the one you're thinking of. It's the right. one of Bigfoot like the, walking amongst the yeah. brush and then like he's for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it shows a reportedly female B- Bigfoot walking amongst the trees and brush and briefly turning to look at the camera as she walks away. Uh, neither of the men have ever admitted to it being a hoax. It was a late, it was a it lady, was a lady Bigfoot? Bigfoot. Now this raises the question because people said, Oh, this is proof that Bigfoot is a species because this is a different female Bigfoot. What if the original Bigfoot was always yeah. a lady? What if it's just, what if Bigfoot's a woman? Yeah, just what, like God. It's just the one Bigfoot. And she's a very strong, powerful lady. Yeah, she's six to nine feet tall and she's got Bigfoot. Yeah. Just one, though. Doesn't have big feet. Just yeah. one Bigfoot. Um. So today, Bigfoot is a huge cultural icon, especially in the Pacific Norwe- Northwest in uh, 1969, Skamania County, Washington, officially passed a law that declared the hunting of Bigfoot a felony. Uh, Wat- <laughs> Whatcom County, Washington, is officially declared a Sasquatch protection and refuge area as well. I wonder if she knows that she's, she's safe, safe in Whatcom County. Yeah, I, I'd like to think. I, I think does. there's a sign outside of like that part yeah, of the but forest. Can she like, read? She's been around has, for a while. Has anybody befriended her and taught her how to read? I hope so. And she's been around so. for a while. She might have just picked it up. Yeah, fair. Um, and Willow Creek, California, uh, near where the uh, Patterson Jimlin film was captured, is known as the Bigfoot capital of the world. Uh, Bigfoot is basically the town's mascot, a la Witches to Salem or the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. The town is home to the Bigfoot Motel, Bigfoot Steakhouse, Bigfoot Books, and the 1.5 pound Bigfoot Burger with buns shaped like giant feet. Okay, so one, that's great. Yeah. Two, I a few weeks ago, we created uh, a phenomenon that's sweeping the nation, the the Universal Classic Monsters boy band. (laughs) Everybody loves it. Everybody's wild about it. I now want to create another kind of AU idea born from this podcast, which is a like county filled with like a bunch of different high schools, all of which have weird mascots. So you have a March Madness situation. Yeah. So you have like the witches and the headless horsemen and the big foots, the big feet. And or is it is it the big big foots? I think it's like attorneys general. It's the (laughs) big foot. And they all compete in football. Yeah. Just football. I feel like big the big the big foots have an advantage if it's just football. It's, well, they play big big football. <laughs> um, there's uh, many other bigfoot type creatures and uh, located in other parts of the world, such as uh, we talked about the yeti before, native to Himalayan folklore, a uh, hulking ape like creature that wanders the snowy mountains, and the uh, yeti folklore has existed for 
literal millennia. Um, fun anecdote I found in 326 BC, Alexander the Great demanded to see a Yeti when he conquered the Indus Valley. But the locals told him that the creature could not survive at a low altitude and could not come down from the mountains. God, that gay man. <laughs> that stupid Alexander. gay man. He just created one of the largest empires in the world. And he went, show me a Yeti. And that was he actually the when they said punked him. They punked him, and when they said, no, we can't, he went, I guess I'll go get bitten by a mosquito now. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also the skunk ape or um, swamp cabbage man, swamp yes. squatch, Florida's Bigfoot, etc. Um, he is a humanoid. Florida's or- Bigfoot. Florida's <laughs> Bigfoot sounds like a roadside attraction. Yeah. That's just a Bigfoot on the side <laughs> of the highway and you go and you take pictures next to it uh the skunk ape is a humanoid orangutan type creature named for its unpleasant odor that's uh, said to uh, wander the southern united states notably florida um interesting uh when gatorland reopened after covid closures back um i think they were the first attraction in florida to reopen which is very on brand for gatorland yeah um they used a um the social distancing skunk ape as a new mascot to encourage social distancing because he smelled so bad and was terrifying. That's well, he's not terrifying. He's a friend, but he does smell bad. So he stands six feet away. I like that very much. I do also like that. Florida was like, no, we don't smell because of our very bad swamps everywhere. There's just a swamp squatch somewhere. (laughs) This is skunking. So, uh, now that we're kind of getting into squatch, just, regular sasquatch who moved south because he was getting older and so he moved to florida to <laughs> like grow old and die yeah like a snowbird <laughs> it's because i feel like it goes yeti bigfoot swamp squat like moving south like yeti sick of the uh, snow yeah moves to the, like does exactly what my grandma did which is moves to the northeastern united states and goes no it's still too snowy here and then goes down to florida <laughs> they're they're like pokemon depending on which region they're in they have different variations yeah i'm yeah so now that we're getting into semi-aquatic territory, I would like to talk talk about the sea monster genre of uh, of cryptid. I like um, how you said that sea monster, sea monster, <laughs> um, rather than sea monster. But uh, this, I, I feel like this kind of lore dates back to like stories of the kraken and stuff and the elusiveness mm. of the giant squid. Um, so obviously, we are going to come up with other crazy things. It could be living in big old bodies of water. Um, most notably. The Loch Ness Monster, I think, is like like when you say cryptid, Nessie. like the first thing you think of is Bigfoot and the second thing you think of is Nessie. That's fair. I think as of a few years ago, for me, it became Mothman. Yeah, Mothman has fair. risen in prominence and we'll talk yeah. about him. But Nessie. And uh, Jersey so- Devil should be getting up there. He's getting his own roller coaster at Six Flags. He should gain some prominence. But the Loch Ness Monster uh, is said to be a sea serpent like dinosaur kind of creature kind of like a um like a brontosaurus but with flippers instead of legs Um, like a tropius from pokemon but without the uh leaf wings and bananas hanging from his neck i believe you sure Uh, And she inhabits Loch Ness in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, She is described as large, long necked and having one or two humps that often protrude from the water. Um, She is also described as being very shy, suggesting uh, to why humans can't seem to find her. Yeah, she just like she gets she's very bashful. Yeah. She found out that somebody got a picture of her. and She's like, no, delete it. (laughs) Um, 
the she was first brought to worldwide attention in 1934 when the famous surgeon's photograph, uh, supposedly taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, a London gynecologist, which is why it's called the surgeon's photograph, because he didn't publish his name with it originally. He just said like a surgeon. Um, it was published in the Daily Mail in 1934. It's a blurry black and white photo of the creature's head and neck emerging from the water. Again, if you're thinking of a photo of Loch Ness Monster, this is probably the one you're thinking of. Uh, it was used as 60 for 60 years as proof of Nessie's existence by many, although still dismissed by scientists. But since 1994, most agree that the photo is an elaborate hoax. Uh, it was allegedly a setup by three pranksters using a toy submarine who then gave the photos to Wilson, who sold them to the Daily Mail. Uh, the toy submarine was sunk in the lake and is presumably still there, which is kind of cool. That's like that's a long way to go for a prank. But also... That means that we can go. That means that this is a verifiable thing that somebody could go down and find the submarine. Yeah, I don't know if anybody has actually tried, but allegedly, if this yeah. is the story behind the photograph, it's still down there. So somebody could go get it. Yeah. And uh, just a brief note. So the kind of two notable pieces of evidence that we talked about for the kind of creature that became popular in the early 20th century are film and photographs, which makes a lot of sense because. When people started seeing photographs, they just assumed it was real yeah. because the only thing they had seen before that were like paintings and stuff, which is why like there was a, also a photograph that two small girls made of, of the fairies of fairy stickers that they just put on the film. Mm -hmm. And people were like, oh, fairies. Like, yeah, it, because people it was didn't that know about doctoring photos yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no, it's surgeon. It's the surgeon's photo, not yeah. the doctor's photo, but that's understandable. <laughs> Um, so like Bigfoot, Nessie has become a huge cultural icon for the area surrounding Loch Ness in Scotland. Uh, it's said that it, uh, Nessie is worth 41 million pounds a year in tourism to the Scottish ah. economy. How much is um, that in stone? <laughs> I don't know. Get it? Because it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a weight. Thank you. Um, so there are several uh, Nessie hunting boat trips that you can take. Um, the Loch Ness Center and Exhibition, where you can learn more about the area's history and Nessie sightings. And Nessie Land, an interactive family museum where you can take uh, a picture with a big old Nessie statue. That's good. Yeah, I like Nessie like, Land. Again, I'm sure there's no per like those those places are probably not predicated on the idea that they're like like in the old days, like duping them and making people think there is definitely a Loch Ness monster like right. I'm sure families that go there are like let's just go see Nessie yeah. ah, ha, ha, ha. it's not like yeah. a P.T. Barnum situation it's what more if, like a Ripley's Believe It or Not situation I what if like. I swam to the bottom of Loch Ness and found <laughs> Nessie instead of the submarine haha ha, unless <laughs> JK JK um there's also Champ Nessie's American <laughs> counterpart uh the lake monster of Lake uh Champlain between Vermont and New York in the United States um, she is described as being pretty similar to Nessie in like size and appearance, but not much else is known about her. Uh, her most notable sighting is in 1977 when uh, amateur photographer Sandra Mancy released a photograph that appeared to show Champ's head and neck sticking out of a lake. However, experts have dismissed this as uh, as the area where the photo was taken is only 14 feet deep. And it would be impossible for such a large creature to swim, let alone hide in such shallow water. Why do we suck at naming things in America? I like Champ. I think it's cute. I, no, I think it's cute. But like if you're going to name. Sometimes they call her Champy. That's what I think it should be is Champy. Okay. They call that. Uh, like, yeah, there yeah. is both. 
Um, That's what I think it should be. She's still a revenue generating attraction there. Uh, the village of Port Henry, New York, holds a Champ Day celebration on the first Saturday of every August. Uh, and she's the mascot of Vermont's only minor league baseball team, the Vermont Lake Monsters. That's another high school. Add it in. Yeah, put it into the county. What's this county called? Hmm. I'll get back to you. Let me yeah, stew tweet, on it. Tweet it at us what this county's called. Yeah. Um. So the last kind of flavor of cryptid I want to talk about is the winged creatures uh, flavor. Yes. Um. If there's cryptids of the land and cryptids of the sea, there's obviously going to be cryptids of the sky. Probably right. most famously and most popular in the past five when, years. Well, the when man. they, you know, when they killed the Titans, they had to divide up the world. And Zeus was like, I want the Sasquatches. And Poseidon was like, I want the Loch Ness Monster. And then Hades is like, I guess I'm left. Oh, wait, no, Zeus got the winged. Zeus got Mothman. Yeah, Zeus is the family And the Hades sky. was like, hell yeah, give me the Sasquatch. Yeah. So the Mothman is uh, pretty localized to West Virginia folklore, specifically Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And was really only relevant there until like the past five years when the Internet kind of put him on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah, fair. I guess like I feel like growing up in middle of nowhere, New York, not middle of nowhere, it, uh, ex-urban New York. Mm-hmm. I feel like I knew about Mothman. See, I feel like I didn't know about Mothman until he had his like Internet fame. All right. Well, I guess you weren't as big of a moth stan yeah, as I am. <laughs> so, um. He is described as shadowy, a humanoid winged creature with glowing red eyes seen uh, flying over the skies of Point Pleasant. His first recorded sighting was on November 15th, 1966, when a young couple claimed their car headlights had caught a large gray creature whose eyes were glowing red and the creature had 10 foot wings. Now, is this not also kind of like granddaddy of the bats? It's similar. Yeah, I think they all they, they fall into the, a similar category. I mean, totally different parts of the world, but they are friends. They are friends. <laughs> um, the sightings continued over the next few days with all witnesses reporting that the creature had red eyes. Uh, the sheriff at the time attributed the sightings to an unusually large heron or sandhill crane. <laughs> they don't get that big, silly sheriff. <laughs> it was sandhill cranes do. I looked it up. Uh. They can get like as tall as like a human man. Can they Which, get 10 I don't foot like long that. wings? I don't know, but I don't like that. Like That's a very big, but like an ostrich, I expect to be big. Well, but, wait, but picture a heron, right? It's probably like neck outstretched is tall as tall as you. That yeah, makes that's sense. still tall. If, well, if yeah, you, but the body's not going to be that big. You could still take that. I mean, you probably couldn't take that heron, but somebody no, could probably, probably take the that heron. heron. Probably mess you up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, more recently in 2016, a photo was taken of Mothman in Point Pleasant, uh, showing him flying through the sky. Um, and the anonymous photographer said he saw it jumping from tree to tree. You've probably seen this one around. It's literally oh, just no. shadowy figure that, of something in the sky with wings. Yeah, that was actually me. Uh, <laughs> my uncle made me these bronze wings <laughs> with wax in between them. But I flew too close to the sun, and so I had to go down and you flew near the at trees. night though, so your your closeness to the sun was pretty admirable. Yeah, but you know the moon is really the sun of the nighttime, so the moon. <laughs> you know that old saying. My wax. What is the moon of the sun of the nighttime? <laughs> so every September, Point Pleasant holds a Mothman Festival, uh, featuring the Mothman Museum, a big street fair, drinks, games, T-shirts. People come in costumes. Like it looks like. A grand old time. I think that that's we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, plans to go places after after the world 
yeah. is, is slightly better. I want to go to this. I absolutely want to go to this. Not only for this festival, but for the huge Mothman statue that sits in the center of town. I've always wanted to make a uh, pilgrimage to this incredible Mothman statue that sits in the center the of Port Pleasant, Virginia. to the Virginia. Mothman statue. Because it also, it's got a, like six-pack abs and a really defined butt for some reason. Yes. That was made for me, my two husbands, the man in the fields and Mothman. Yeah. The um, Mothman in the fields. Wow. Also, if you haven't seen, also related note, if you haven't seen, we have a very cool Man of the Fields sticker available for patrons. It's so really go check cute. it out. It's super cute. He's got a little head and he loves you very much. He's um, so cute. However, on uh, this side, this coast of the country, our version of the Mothman, I think I would argue, is the Jersey Devil. Ah, uh, yes. Um, now, the Jersey Devil inhabits the Pine Barrens of southern New Jersey. Uh, he is described as being a kangaroo-like creature um, with the head of a goat or a horse, very like leathery bat wings, hooves, a forked tail, and little bitty arms. Yeah, he. I like. I understand we're using the wings as a as like an idea for the Jersey Devil, but like I always have picture the jersey devil is much more grotesque than other cryptids yeah and most of the like, etchings and like drawings of him are quite scary yeah they like kind of like a satyr yeah but with wings and a devil and a devil tail yeah yeah um he and uh the jersey devil does have a pretty scary story behind him a story that my older cousin growing up in new jersey my older cousins would tell me and frighten me very much very um, good but so the story goes that in 1735, Jane Leeds or Mother Leeds of the Pine Barrens had 12 children. When she found out she was pregnant for the 13th time, she cursed the child and said that it came oh from the God. devil. When she gave birth, the child was born normally, but quickly changed into a creature with a forked tail, hooves, and the head of a goat before flying away into the Pine Barrens. And because of this story, the Jersey Devil is also known as the Leeds Devil or the Devil of Leeds from the family. Uh. I like that very much. Uh, it's like the 13th floor on a hotel. Everybody actually skips from the 12th child to the 14th yeah. child because of that. <laughs> the, uh, everyone in New Jersey. Um, yeah, and the but Leeds also the the nice thing about the Leeds devil or the devil of Leeds is that that gives us a way to add them to the uh, high school competition without infringing on the, the hockey team. <laughs> the NHL team. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the Leeds were actually, they were a family, uh, that was, had, has been, uh, reported to have lived in the Pine Barrens during this time period. Um, but, uh, unconfirmed as to whether this actually happened to this poor woman. <laughs> um, so Jersey Devil sightings began in the 18th century and, uh, during January, 1909, newspapers were suddenly flooded with with uh, hundreds of stories of Jersey Devil encounters. This prompted school and work closures around the area and sent groups of hunters and vigilantes into the Pine Barrens searching for the devil. Oh, did they? F I don't that, I don't like that. Kind uh, of Frankenstein's they didn't find monster. Him. Well, yeah, but I don't, you know, it's he must have been scared. <laughs> um, I mean, Jersey has embraced the devil since, which is just a general sentence you can say about Jersey as well. <laughs> It's not not the not the cryptid, just the, yeah. the dude. Um, he's obviously the name of their uh, major NHL hockey team, and uh, several parks around the area of the Pine Barrens offer Jersey Devil hunts. Mm. Yeah, so, so we're still hunting him down. 
I mean, some some are. Maybe just to just to uh, yeah. Maybe it's like or a maybe, whale watching. I would like a whale maybe, watching tour, but for cryptids. Just watch maybe, them in their natural habitat. Maybe Six Flags found them, and when they release, when they open up their RMC Raptor, the Jersey Devil, then they're going to be like, also here he is, and they'll release him into the night. <laughs> into uh, the one second, I'm going to interrupt the podcast real fast. Okay. Just a, it's very important. We're calling my dad because I want to quiz him to see if he knows the Jersey Devil story. This awkwardness is just going to be cut out in post. Hello? Hello, is dad there? Yeah, why didn't you call his phone? I tried to, and then he sent me to uh, voicemail, which was very rude of him. Oh, you sent him to voicemail, Michael. Can you hand him the phone, please? Yes. Well, uh, he has his do not disturb on. He'll call you right back. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we're waiting just a moment more. Yeah. Hello, Father. Hello. Welcome to the Great American Scream. It's a ghastly and goofy tour of America's favorite haunted stuff. Uh, today, nice. we're talking about the Jersey Devil. Am I live? You're 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 live not on the live show. In a sense. Oh, really? Yeah, you are. You're not live, oh, live. But I'm okay. But you're, you're live. Planning on recording me? Live to tape. Yeah, I'm in okay. a two-party state. Do you consent? I consent, yes. Okay. Uh, what's the story that you remember about the about the Jersey Devil? Do you want the origination story or the what, both or what? What's the story that you got told like as a kid like about the this dang devil, man? Well, there's two. I mean, one's the origination story All right, how well, the devil what, came to be. Whatever makes for better radio, Dad. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. You know? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, so, uh, in the Pine Barrens, Way back in like the, I don't know, 1700s. This is the origination story. All right. There was a woman who lived in the Pine Barrens and she was miserable because everybody who lives in the Pine Barrens is miserable. <laughs> and um, she had like, I don't know, 12 children. Yeah, 12 children, even dozen. Yeah. And she was married to a drunkard. You know, he beat her and all that kind of stuff and town drunk. And um, so... She got pregnant again with the 13th, ch 13th child, and um, it was a dark, you know, stormy night um, there in the Pine Barrens, and in this cabin, you know, the wind blowing and the, you know, through the through the logs and everything, and miserable rain and all, and uh, she went into labor, and um, they uh, got the midwife to, to come in, and as the, as she was being born, as the as she was given birth. She was so angry and so tired of having all these kids and this rotten husband that she said, I don't want another baby. Let it be the devil. And when she said that, this black um, winged creature, right? So like the head of a horse, wings of a bat, uh -huh. you know, a devil tail, hooved back feet, but clawed front feet, um, came out of her uh, birth canal. Uh -huh. And... Uh, and screeched on, you know, like landed on the table and let out this huge screech and then flew out the open door. And, uh, that's how the Jersey devil came to be. Wow. And ever since then, the Jersey devil has haunted the pine barrens. Wow. And also uh. not only haunted the pine barrens, but also gave birth to the name of the New Jersey professional hockey team. That plays in the metal lines, which is the scariest bit of it all. Well, thank you so yes. much native New Jersey Mike Wright for giving us that you aced the quiz. <laughs> you oh, well, did it. Thank you very much. I, I did study my um, American uh, New Jersey 
mythological history. Yeah, Adam was like fist pumping the whole time. He was so impressed. <laughs> well, Adam, I'm glad I could do something that impressed you. All right. Well, I love you. I'll call you after the podcast is done. All right. I love you, too. If you, you know, for anything else, you know, the monster of Matawan Creek or anything, let me know. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. Okay, love you. Bye. See, what did wow. I tell you? Every native New Jerseyan knows that story. Because that was good. Yeah. I, I liked that a lot. That was really good. That was great. I mean, I basically, because the version I did was basically the abridged version of that. Yes. Yeah, like, I told him good radio and he was like, on a dark and stormy night. <laughs> good for him. But yeah, those are kind of um, the, a couple of starter cryptids, if you will. Like when you buy the the cryptid essentials D pack these are the first <laughs> five cryptid starter pack and it's yeah. four pictures it's 2016 yeah. again these are the uh, the ones that you get but yeah hopefully we'll talk about some more more cryptids in the future yeah uh thank you so much for listening to this episode of the great american scream if you enjoyed it you can leave a rate or review on itunes you can also follow us on spotify or wherever you get your podcasts but if you really enjoyed the show please to help us out tell a friend about the podcast I'm sure that you have a friend who would be just as interested in this pod as you are, and then you could talk about it with them, and you could also tell us about cryptids that you know about, so that next time we do an episode like this, just like the monster of Manasquan or whatever my dad said, you could be, that person could be on the show. Adam, can you pimp our social medias? Uh, yes, you can follow us on Facebook at The Great American Scream, or on Twitter and Instagram at Great Scream Pod. Um, if you have... Any cryptids that you would like us to cover or cryptids that are local to your area that maybe a lot of people don't know about, uh, tweet at us or post using the hashtag TGAS and uh, let us know if there's anything you want to hear about on the show uh, because your suggestion could become a future episode. We are also on Patreon now uh, at patreon.com slash great screen pod, I believe. Yep, that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash great screen pod. And on that note, a special thank you goes out to Actually, all of our patrons right now, we're shouting all of them out until we reach a certain amount. So a special thank you goes to Bree, Gail, Joyce, Brucker, Melinda, and Chris. I've been Devin Wright. I've been Adam O'Connell. And hopefully you have been spooked. Stay safe. Stay determined. We've worked hard. Still a lot of work to do. We love you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> we love you. Go find Bigfoot. Find him safely. 